technology. Got to love it, huh? Good morning. Let's begin our time of worship together as we do every Sunday. Let's stand to our feet and read God's word together to each other and encourage one another with these words. This is from Psalm 18. We're going to read verse 1 through 3 and then verse 49. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my rock, where I seek refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I was saved from my enemies. Therefore, I will give thanks to you among the nations, Lord. I will sing praises about your name. And let's do that together. Oh, 
Amen. He is worthy to be praised. Amen. Well, we're going to be learning a new song together this morning, and we're going to be rehearsing it so that we can be ready to sing it on Easter Sunday. So would you uh, kind of listen along the first verse and then join in as you get the hang of it. This one's called Christ is Risen. He's Risen Indeed. He's alive, he's alive, now it 
Have a seat and let's listen to the choir as they sing.
good morning and welcome to Hebron Baptist Church. We exist to glorify God by inviting every person to take their next steps toward Christ. My name's Alan, and what a joy it is to gather with you all in worship today. If you are a guest here today, thank you for coming here. We want to extend a special welcome to you. Whether you're here in person or online, welcome. We'd love to get to know you, and one way we can do that is through a Connect card. That's a little slip of paper on the back of your seat. If you could pull out that Connect card and fill that out, that'll let us know how we can be praying for you, how we can serve you. Then after service, we invite you to exit through these central doors and turn left. You'll see there our Next Steps desk. There you can turn that Connect card in to someone who'd be happy to answer any questions that you may have and also give you a free gift. So welcome, guests. We are so glad that you are here today. We're going to transition now to a moment of prayer. And as we do, I invite all of us to prepare our hearts for our act of worship later in the service as we give of our tithes and offerings. So would you please join me in prayer? Good morning, Heavenly Father. Lord, thank you for this opportunity once again to come and to praise the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for who Jesus is to us, our Savior, our Rescuer. When we were in our depths of sin and had no hope, you sent your son, Jesus, and now he is our king, and we give you praise for who he is. Lord, we lift up to you this morning our core value of biblical faithfulness. Thank you, God, for the gift of the Bible, of your revealed will to us, that you've let us see your heart and see your unfolding plan throughout history. We thank you that we see in, in your word a glimpse of your perfect creation, but then we see our brokenness as sin entered the world. But then we see your rescue as you stepped into history in Jesus and God the Son incarnate and lived a perfect life, but provided rescue for us as you died on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful message found in your word. And we pray that you would let us be more and more faithful to you, to your word, with each and every day. Lord, we pray not only for ourselves, but we pray for our ministry partner, Carl Porter. Thank you for Carl, this church planter, evangelist, IMB associate. Thank you, Lord, for Carl, that we get to join with him in ministry. And we pray for him and his family and his church all the way in England today. We pray that as Carl evangelizes, as he shares your love with those around him, and as he disciples others, as he preaches at different engagements, as, he, as he's planted his church, Lord, we pray that you would be with him, that you would protect him and his family and empower him with your Holy Spirit bless this church in Rotten today to be reminded of biblical faithfulness, of your kindness to us and the gift of your word. Lord, a little closer to home, we lift up to you the upcoming Easter egg hunt and celebration outreach next week, this coming Saturday. Thank you for this opportunity that we get to share your love with little lives from around our local neighborhoods, and we pray that you would draw many, many people to come and that they would experience you, that they would experience fellowship, that they would feel your love here, and that they would see hear the message of our risen Savior, Jesus. Father, our hearts go out to the Broughton family, as Ken is now in hospice, and we'll be with you soon. We'll be seeing you face to face, and we thank you for this amazing man, and the faithfulness he has shown in his life, his passion for you, and the example that he has given to all of us. And we pray in this time that you would be so close, that you would be with Doug, and Roger, and Debbie, and Steve, and the entire Broughton family. Be so near to them, please, Lord, in this time. Please bless them with your presence. We also pray, Lord, for the Gallitz family as Danny's sister is fighting cancer now. We pray that you would be with them, so close to them in this time. And as we conclude this moment of prayer, Lord, we come to you 
and a moment of confession, knowing that in the deepest, hardest challenges that we have, you have made a way. You've broken through the sin and the brokenness in our lives through the cross. And so we cling to you now. We thank you for the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. And we pray that you would wash us clean of our sin through the precious blood of your Son. We thank you for his resurrection, that he did not stay dead, but through the power of his life, he rose from the grave, and that now that power fills us. So Lord, fill us and wash us and make us new. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this moment. We continue to worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hear from God's word in 1 Peter 2, from verse, starting verse 21. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. And it is a glorious, glorious truth, isn't it? Would you stand to your feet and let's rejoice together in what Jesus has done for us. One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my example is he. The word became flesh and the light shined among us, his glory revealed, living he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day. One day they led him up Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to die on a tree. Suffering anguish, despised and rejected. Bearing our sins, my Redeemer is he. The hands that healed nations stretched out on a tree. And took the nails for me living he loved me dying he saved me buried he carried my sins far away rising he justified freely forever one day he's coming oh glorious day oh glorious day One day the grave could conceal him no 
one day the stone rolled away from the door. Then he arose over death he had conquered. Now is ascended, my Lord, evermore. Death could not hold him, the grave had not keep him from rising again. Living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified, freely forever, one day he's coming. Glorious day, oh glorious day, glorious day. One day the trumpet will sound for his coming. One day the skies with his glories will shine. Wonderful day, my beloved one bringing, my Savior Jesus is mine. Living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified, freely forever, one day he Oh, glorious day, oh, glorious day, glorious day, oh, glorious day. Amen. Give him praise. Amen. And as we go into a time of God's word. Let's sing together and make this our prayer that God would draw us near. Nearer my God to Thee, nearer to
over to their will. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you as we come into your word. I know, Lord, uh, when we come in this place, we can have many distractions. Distractions of the sin that we are harboring. Distractions of the concerns of the world the distractions of a busy morning the distractions of of all sorts of things that the deceiver wants us to not hear the truth Lord your truth will set us free and this morning as we come to it Remove the distractions by the Holy Spirit in our hearts and minds. Let us see your truth as real. Use the Spirit to plant them deep in us. And Lord, let us look at this text afresh as it is as fresh as the headlines of the day. And in it, Lord, teach us, change us, make us new we ask this in Jesus name amen you know it's one of the things maybe the one of the first couple things that we learn to say as children we probably say mama and dada we probably say the words I love you but as a rite of passage, probably even into preschool, you can't even get into preschool, I don't think, if you've learned these words. That's not fair. That's not fair. I mean, as a kid, it, it's not fair that my brother gets to stay up later than me, even though he's five years older than me. It's not fair that my sibling who went on errands with my, my father, that he got ice cream and I didn't. It's just not fair. You know, that feeling of fairness doesn't go away even as we get older, right? As we get older, well, we tried out, we wanted to go, we, we wanted to make the team, but instead the teacher's pet made the team. And that's just not fair. At work, I did all the work. I slaved away. I stayed extra. But who got all the credit? My coworker, my boss. That's not fair. You know, we are very quick to decide what is fair and what is not in our life. But I don't know about you. When I come to this text and read the account of Jesus on trial before the mob, I believe we all scream together, that's not fair! How did Jesus be condemned instead of a true murderer? Look, we have fluctuating feelings about different people that we've read over the last few weeks. We've, we feel varying levels of disdain for Judas who betrayed him, Peter who denied him, the chief priests who despise him, Herod who mocked him, the mob who called for his crucifixion, Pilate who 
wipes his hand and gives Jesus over to the mob and Barabbas who is guilty set free wait did we read this correctly Barabbas is set free the one that we've told over and over again in the scripture that he was a rebel he was a murderer he was against the government that this Barabbas was released to new life while someone else went to their death that someone who was innocent took his place when we see this we know rebel, rebels and murderers and thieves shouldn't get off but wait we read this and Barabbas gets off the sinner released to a new life while the death he deserves is paid by someone else that's not fair here in Luke's gospel there's a narrative that the Lord has given him to see that points us to the love of God and his willingness to take our place what we see in God's economy is fairness isn't a priority to his plan justice perfect justice yes Perfect love, yes. Fairness, eh. Fairness would not see a perfect, innocent man die on a cross instead of a murderer. But as we walk through this text, we see the beauty of Jesus who took our place. And in doing so, he gave us life and forgiveness and access to God himself. In this passage, I want us to see three realities of Jesus who took our place. So if you're taking notes on the bulletin or on your phone, number one, Jesus, the innocent lamb. The first person we have to obviously look to in this narrative, in this text, in this story is Jesus, the innocent lamb. Three times in the text that we just read, Pilate declares Jesus innocent. First in verse 15, look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. In verse 20, Pilate addressed them once more desiring to release him verse 22 a third time Pilate said to them what evil has he done I found nothing deserving the death penalty in him why would Luke the physician take such meticulous notes and reality of Jesus's innocence it's not only that but just in this chapter alone that there are six clear declarations of Jesus's innocence Back in verse 4, it says, Pilate told them, the chief priests and the crowds, that he found no grounds for charging the man. Why so carefully under, help us to understand that Pilate, Herod, and then Pilate again found no reason for Jesus to be tried, no reason for him to certainly be put to death. Later on, we see even 
and the man hanging on the cross said, he's done nothing wrong. And the centurion on the ground says that he's done, Jesus has done nothing wrong. Again and again, we see that Christ has been said to be sinless and perfect and not deserving death. Why? Because Jesus didn't come to earth just to show off his abilities. Jesus didn't come to just be a climactic conclusion of a wonderful story. Jesus came for us and for our salvation. And Jesus became our representation on the cross. Representation plays a crucial role in the Bible that kings and, and regal people are presented to, for, for Israel. And yet all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, we see that the Bible teaches that Adam is our representative. Adam, a son of God. Adam, who was created by God. Adam, and whom God planted his likeness in, stood as our representative. Adam was called to obey. Yet Adam, the son, disobeyed. As a public representative, Adam's sin affected all of us, all of humanity, we are now stained from our first father, from every generation and every person since that even humanity, because of the first human, is now separated from God because he, our representative, sinned against a holy God. But brother and sister, the good news is that God sent a second Adam, the Bible tells us. His truly begotten son. His perfect son. The second member of the Godhead, the, the perfect son, became a representation for his people because of him, the perfect man, God, died for our sin, Friends, there would have been no legal, right, sinful transaction if Jesus was a sinner and died for other sinful people. But instead, Jesus, the perfect man, the sinless one, died on the cross, taking our punishment in his place. It is this glimpse of the sinlessness of Christ is the foretelling and understanding of who Jesus stood on our behalf to die for our sins. Earlier in Isaiah, he prophesied that the suffering servant, he knew that this was going to happen, this suffering servant of God would be the one who takes an innocent death. Just in two verses of Isaiah 53, he, in verse 7, he was oppressed and afflicted Yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb to the slaughter and like a sheep silent before her shears. He did not open his mouth. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, but he was with a rich man at his death because he had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully. Brothers and sisters, why did we 
read, why does Luke continually show that Jesus was perfect? Because Jesus' obedience and perfection is the status that we receive when we believe on him. It was important that we know and stunning to understand that we, when we stand before God, he no longer will see our face, but he will see the righteousness of Christ, his very own son, in our place and will accept us as sons and daughters of God. It is stunning to believe that we do not have to face the punishment of our sin, but instead we have been accounted the righteousness of Christ. Christians, we all still labor under a sense of guilt knowing that we are not the kind of people that we should be. But God has not only just removed our filthy clothes, he has given us the clean clothes of righteousness in return. We're not just merely pardoned criminals. We're also beloved sons and daughters with whom God is well pleased because we are united to Christ and our, our head and our obedience remains at God's right hand. It's a great children's story. I recommend the book. There's a series of books, children's books, that R.C. Sproul, the late R.C. Sproul, wrote. And one of them is The, the Royal Clothes. I can't remember the title of it, but something like that, the, the Royal Clothes. And in it, a young priest gets a chance to stand before the king and preach. And on the way, there's an accident, and he gets mud and dirt all over his royal clothes and he can't stand before the king by law because of this dirt and he doesn't know what he's going to do and the end of the story he's able to preach before the king by one way the king's son gives him his very own robes to stand before the king friends this is a picture of what Christ does in us in the same way the sinless son of God paid the sacrifices a sinless man for sinful humanity and the good news is we receive the righteousness of Christ so let me just say to you today what does this mean for me if you're suffering and worried today that if you stand before God that you may never measure up. That you might never be good enough. That you'll never be able to be accepted by God. Can I tell you this? You're right. By yourself, you can't. And you never will. As much as you try to get on the on the road to righteousness by yourself, no matter what you try to do to love and serve and give and do, you will never, ever, ever make yourself clean enough to stand before God. But praise be to God that he gave his son that in him we get to stand before God in his perfect righteousness.
It is in Him that we are fully accepted, fully loved, fully welcomed, welcomed to heaven, welcomed to the throne room, welcomed by God, our faithful Heavenly Father. It is in Him that we are accepted by God. Brother or sister, you might worry and you might feel regret and you might feel guilt and you might feel all these things, but if you are in Christ, praise be to God, your future is in Christ. And He, the innocent Lamb, is your righteousness. Secondly, though, as we see this, that Christ is the innocent Lamb, but we also see, secondly, He took our place like he did Barabbas. He took our place like Barabbas. Have you ever taken the fall for someone? Have you ever been the fall guy or fall girl when to take the blame or punishment? Maybe it was you were going to take one for the team so that everybody else would not get in trouble. That you turned to the, your comrades in arms when you did something young and you said, I'll take this one and you just took the blame or maybe someone did that for you maybe you had a parent take the blame so that you wouldn't get in trouble from another parent maybe you, there's something that we know that there's someone who has stood in our place or we have stood in the place for someone else who deserves what they've done wrong it's Barabbas who was the guilty one here Luke says, a man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection started in the city and for murder. In Matthew 27, we learn he's a notorious prisoner. In Mark chapter 15, it tells that he's among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in an insurrection. Friends, rebellion is the precise thing that leaders and the people are charging Jesus with when they say in verse 13, 14 that he's misleading the people. Barabbas deserves death. Barabbas, his guilt is not just an offender in rehab hoping to get better. He's a murderer on death row. Barabbas' guilt in verse 25 is something the law demanded that, someone, that he die for because he murdered someone. And yet, Pilate released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder. And this is the contrast. The one who truly deserved it was let go. The one who didn't deserve it took his place. In Barabbas, we have a glimpse of our guilt deser deserving death, a preview of the arresting grace of Jesus and his embrace of the cross through which we are set free. Brother, sister, it is this picture that we see that Barabbas deserved death, Jesus didn't, but Jesus took his place. This was, this was the march of Jesus, wanting and willing to die in our place. Isaiah 53, again, the suffering servant is spoken in this way, verse 4. Yet he himself bore our sickness, and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God, 
and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. Here, as Jesus is delivered to death, Barabbas is delivered to new life. A guilty man is set free, and an innocent man is condemned to death. It is in this text that Luke means for us to identify with both Barabbas and Jesus. That Barabbas, in the same way we are sinful rebels, who have broken God's law, who are guilty as charged, deserving death for our rebellion against our creator of the universe. And Jesus, the perfect one, gave himself at the cross for that those who repent and believe in him will be set free. It is this exchange that we understand that we are Barabbas. That I am Barabbas. That I deserve death. But Jesus took my place. F.W. Kronmacher is a famous German preacher. He preached in the times of the many liberal theologians, yet actually believed the Bible and preached the gospel in a real way. And he observed this, Barabbas and Jesus changed places. The murderer's bonds, curse, disgrace, and mortal agony are transferred to the righteous Jesus, while the liberty, innocence, safety, and well-being of the immaculate Nazarene became the lot of the murderer. Barabbas is installed in all the rights and privileges of Jesus Christ, while the latter enters upon the infamy and horror of the rebel's position. Both mutually inherit each other's situation, and what they possess, the delinquent's guilt and cross become the lot of the just one. And all the civil rights and immunities of the latter latter are the property of the delinquent. Brother and sister, there is a great exchange that happens. And that exchange happens through Jesus. And brother and sister, when we rightfully understand that I am the guilty one, I am the one deserving condemnation, but I am set free because of the Son of God, that is what drives us to godly sorrow. That is what helps us to understand that He is the Savior that's worth all of life for. That he is the one that I cry out to. He is the one I should believe in. He is the one in all life. Brother, sister, we must understand that Jesus took our place. But it also even goes deeper for our everyday life today. Is there something that you're feeling guilty over? Is there a shame that is holding you back from freedom? Is there a false guilt that you have for a past mistake or a mistake of others that you seem to feel like that you've got to pay back, that you've got to get over, that you have to, to fix? 
brother, sister, listen. The yoke of Christ is easy. He took your place. You are no longer condemned. You no longer are separated. Quit allowing Satan to continue to push in your heart and your mind the guilt of the past, the shame that keeps you from moving forward, and maybe even the, the, the unforgiveness that you're unwilling to even give to someone else because, brother, sister, if they're in Christ, Christ died for them too. We must be reminded that Christ has died in our place to set us free. Thirdly, as we read this, we see that we sent him to the cross like the mob we sent him to the cross like the mob how do we account for the vitriol of the of the mob friends this is not like a, a a vocal minority this was not people trying to see more than the other it, it says in verse 18 the whole crowd this is a representative, universal, unanimous verdict of every person, of every walk of life. If we think that Peter was sitting among the, the people who would also be there with Jesus, we see that there was a servant there, that we see uh, 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 men there, we see leaders around. Every walk of life stood and shouted, Crucify him! Let Barabbas go! Barabbas is a picture of the individual condemned. We must also see the mob and the crowd as ourselves and our own hatred toward God. When it came down to a choice. These people preferred to have a murderer live among them rather than the Son of God. R.C. Sproul said in a sermon a long time ago that he said this is like God in the hands of angry sinners. That when we come against a holy God, we have been given only two choices. That we reject Him or we worship Him. And all of us know that there was a time in our life that we were the mob. That we rejected God and yet when God came in the flesh, he died for even the mob. Isaiah 53 again. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Brother, sister, don't be overly confident that you would have acted differently in the crowd that day. We are quickly swept up in the views of groups and uh, the loudest noise and the peer pressure and, and, and the, the things of this world. And therefore, we can't assume that we would have been or said anything different. Likewise, our entire life, we know that there have been times that we rejected God and pushed him away from us. But throughout Luke's gospel, we see this beautiful picture. 
that Jesus died even for the people who said that he deserved to die. He died for the worst of sinners, Barabbas, but he also died for those saying, crucify him. People just like me and you. Brothers and sisters, often we are found ourselves around people who want to blame God for things going on. We have a mob mentality of how we think that our sin, our own situation, is everybody else's fault. And sometimes we even go as far as to say it's God's fault. We reject Him. But brother and sister, let us see what Christ has done for us. Christ has died for even us. Christ has died for those of us who rejected Him. Christ has died for those who don't deserve it. Christ died for those he loves. So back to our original question. Is life fair? On God's economy, no, it's not. Because if it was fair, sinners would die for their sins. If it was fair, we would all die a sinner's death. If it was fair, we would be rejected by God and we would have no way to come to him. If it was fair, Jesus would have been let go. But instead, the perfect connection of God's righteousness, justice, and mercy meets at the cross. That someone pays for sin. It's Jesus, a sinless man. But in perfect love, he goes in our place so that we don't have to. Brother and sister, it is in this, the sinless Christ who takes the wrath of God to pay for our sins, that we realize life's not fair and praise be to God it's not that he sent his son to die for us Horatius Boner a 19th century Scottish pastor wrote a poem about this event that help us to meditate on our great salvation he said I see the crowd in Pilate's hall their furious cries I hear their shouts of crucify appall their curses fill mine ear. And of that shouting multitude, I feel that I am one. And in that din of voices rude, I recognize my own. I see the scourgers rend the flesh of God's beloved Son, and as they smite, I feel afresh that I of them am one. Around the cross, the throng I see that mock the sufferers groan, yet still my voice, I, it seems to be as if I mocked alone. Twas I that shed that sacred blood. I nailed him to the tree. I crucified the Christ of God. I joined the mockery. Yet not the less that blood avails to cleanse me from sin. 
and not the less that cross prevails to give me peace within. Brother and sister, praise be to God that he took our place. Heavenly Father, thank you for the cross. Thank you that you exchanged your life for ours. Thank you that we deserve punishment and yet you came for us. Heavenly Father, I pray that each one of us understand the reality of our place in sending Jesus to the cross. And yet, those of us who are believers celebrate, worship, and enjoy, praise a king who died for us. God, I pray that there's someone here that has not placed their faith in you. I pray that they see a God who died on their behalf. That all other false gods, all other false religions, all other ways that people might think peace can come, all comes by us sacrificing. But the cross of Jesus shows that it is you who was sacrificed for us. May that truth draw us near to the cross. May we be saved. If someone is here that does not know you, may they cry out to you in faith and repentance today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet and let's sing this truth together in a moment. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He should give His only Son To make a wretch His treasure How great the pain of searing loss the Father turns His face away As wounds which mar the Chosen One Bring many sons to glory Behold the man upon a cross My sin upon his shoulders Ashamed I hear my mocking voice Call out among the scoffers It was my sin that held him there Until it was accomplished 
His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is boast in anything no gifts nor power nor wisdom but I will boast in Jesus Christ his death and resurrection why should I gain from his reward. I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Why should I gain? Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Let's watch this video together. And so we, we would do these services, preach the gospel and serve our neighbors and, and give a picture of hope and unity where the gospel tears down these walls that separate us. Because there is a true melting pot in the Twin Cities. You have all these different languages and people groups within just even five, 10 miles. And so we planted the church and the church is called All People's Church. And All People's doesn't mean just ethnically, but it means generationally, it means socially. That was the heart of it. And being in the Twin Cities, being such a melting pot, it felt to me like that would be one of the most powerful apologetics to the world. The hardest thing is probably how slow life transformation takes. And so when people give, they give us church planters something that we really need, and that's time because life change is slow, especially if you're trying to um, plant a church where no foundation is laid, as Paul says in the end of Romans. It's slow work, and yet there is no shortage of people who've joined our church, and they're, they're, they're growing in their faith for the first time. 
and and that's what's been going on someone encounters jesus and then they go tell people you know come and see and so after doing that for a handful of years in the twin cities the the world can look and see and say wow jesus is real and i just i love that You will pray for uh, those uh, church planters there in Minneapolis, but also all over the North America as those church planters go into the darkest of cities, the places where there are very little evangelical Christians and, and share the gospel and God is doing great work. And so we're thankful that we can be a part through our network of churches, Southern Baptist churches, to support them. But this time of year, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering is important because 100% of the proceeds go straight to these church planners and ministries all throughout North America. So we pray that you would give a great, generous gift this one time uh, towards them and so that we can give a great big gift as a church to support these church planners. So uh, hopefully you can do so. You can do so through electronically. You can pull the drop-down menu and choose Annie Armstrong Easter offering. You can do so physically through a, uh, one of the envelopes and make sure you mark Annie Armstrong or there's some Annie Armstrong Easter offerings that you can put that in. We hope that you will support that over these few weeks and pray for them. A couple of things we are about to take our offering and you can do so uh, by the envelope in front of you by scanning the qr code in front of you to give electronically it also is right there on the screen that you can scan that as well uh, this is a time for us to worship and give and as you're preparing to do that just listen and lend an ear just for a second as i give you a couple of quick announcements today is all in for gospel to every home sunday today at four o'clock we're going to hopefully have you come to be a part of three different groups a, a go team that goes out to our neighborhoods a, a child care team to help watch the kids so others can go out and a prayer team that can pray so that they can you can pray while the go team is out all three of those friends are vital we can't do one without the other parents cannot go if someone doesn't watch their kids and god doesn't move unless we pray and he, we need his power to change lives, right? All three of those are important, and if you can be a part of any one of those, we hope that you come. We do hope that you come as part of the GO team. We promise you, if you've never done that before, we're not going to send you out as a rookie on your own. We'll tie you with a veteran, and you'll get to watch this week and, and learn, and then you'll be able to do it uh, yourself. We want you to take that next step in your discipleship and be able to share the gospel and pray with someone. So we hope you come today at 4 o'clock. Also, another event next Saturday, April 1st. Can you believe it's April in a week? Uh, that is our Easter egg hunt, our Easter celebration. We need volunteers. We need candy. We need eggs. If you were going to donate some, today is the deadline. But if you can get it to us either later today or tomorrow morning. Uh, but we need those donations so that we know we're, we've invited uh, several area elementary schools, uh, it's been going out through social media, so we hope to have a large crowd as we normally do. This room will be filled, and so if you want to be a part of that, we hope that you would come and help donate some candy or volunteer, uh, and of course, bring someone along with you. Also, if you've been visiting for a while and been considering joining the church, or if you just want to know more about Hebron Baptist Church, the Sunday after Easter will begin our three-week new members class, uh, the 16th, 23rd, and 30th.
at 9 a.m. It's right before the service, so hopefully uh, you have nothing scheduled during that time and you can make it. It's for three weeks in a row. and We hope that you would be able to make all three of those. Uh, the necessity of doing all three of those is important. There can be some wiggle room, but we hope that you would first sign up today. If you need child care, we'll provide it. Make sure you sign up for that today. Do all that at the Next Steps desk. And I want to just say another welcome to our guests. Several of you are here today. Thank you for being here. We hope that you find a welcome church family today and that you'll come back to visit us. And if this is your first time, make sure you take your completed Connect card to the Next Steps desk and receive your gift if this is your first time with us today. Now we've been able to worship through song and through the word. Now let's worship as we give. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to, to give. Lord, we know you have given so much and been an example by giving your son Jesus Christ to die for our sins. It is in that generosity that is born in us, changed in us, and we pray, Lord, as we do so, Lord, that we would be generous with our money and our tithes. So, Lord, as we give this morning, whether it's electronically or in person or later this week, we pray, God, this is an act of worship and celebration of what you've done for us and an act of obedience of giving. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to reach out to our community, and it's from these faithful tithes and offerings that we can do things like this. So thank you for the givers. Lord, we pray that you would multiply it so that the word can expand to all nations. In Jesus' name, amen. The news of Jesus Christ, the crucified. Risen, reigning at the Father's side is foolishness to those who cannot see Blinded by the lies they have believed So let the church arise Let the anthem ring Till all the world has heard of Christ the risen King, song of the redeemed, boldly we shall sing, the hope of all the world is Christ the risen King. Stand your feet, let's sing. We, we are not ashamed, for the gospel is the power of God to not ashamed, for we have no other Savior to proclaim. Christ alone, the life, the truth, the way. Gospel will endure 
the Spirit with the church forevermore. So let the church arise, let the anthem ring, till all the world has heard of Christ the risen King, the song of the redeemed, only we shall sing. The hope of all the world is Christ the risen King. We, we are not ashamed, for the gospel is the power of God to save. We, we are not ashamed, for we have no other Savior to have a sure foundation in his grave. We, we are not ashamed, for we have a great salvation in his name. Christ alone, the life, the truth, the way. Christ alone, the life, the truth, the way. Amen. Go with God and don't be afraid, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Have a great week.